You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that? You don't like NBA basketball! Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of All Nat brought to you by OTS. I am your host, Natalie, but most people call me Nat. And today we're doing it up fan style. Like I have some fans from some of the opposing teams the Warriors are going to be facing off this week. And I'm super excited about that. They are equally in love with their team is the way I am with the Warriors so and we're the three top teams in the West so I don't know what kind of conversation you're in you're in for today but it's going to be a good one so I'm going to start um my introductions with ladies first hopefully you don't mind that Peter and uh <laughs> I'm going to introduce Stacy, who is an avid 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 uh Grizzlies fan her tweets are hilarious. She describes herself as sassy. Um, you should definitely give her a follow on Twitter. Not just because, like, whether or not you like the Grizzlies, I love to see women talking hoops, knowing hoops. And she is a sports fan in general. So she knows Absolutely. her shit. Her tweets are, are funny. I like her energy. And give her a try. I think you'll enjoy it, too. And if you do want to know about the Grizzlies, she's a great place to go. So, Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. And it's my understanding that this is your debut as a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah so absolutely. You're, you're about to kill it. And then Peter, <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter is someone who I've come to know um, through Twitter. I mean, I know mostly everyone through Twitter, but um, he's come into some of our spaces and has um, brought in his knowledge. And he has really great knowledge of his team, the Suns, but also the NBA as a whole. Um, no hot takes, like really, really objective. Um, and if you've ever been in Urkel spaces, you know how wild it can get in there. So he definitely offsets the tone a little bit. But um, Peter, I'm so happy to have you on. We've been talking about this for a while. So finally, it's happening. So great to have you on. Thank you. and Welcome to the show. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. It's good that we have a decent team for the second time since I was a kid. So, you know, it's nice and fun to actually tune in and watch the sun. So hopefully it'll be a nice conversation and just hope everybody's doing all right and we'll get to it. Yeah. Okay. So the Warriors face off against uh, the Grizzlies and the Suns this week. Um, we're recording today. It's Sunday. So we're actually playing the um, Wizards today. 
Um, and it's interesting because I think a lot of Warriors fans are like, okay, that should be the win for us because we're not going to win the next two games without Steph. And I'm just like, we lost to Orlando, bro. And then we beat the Heat. Like this team is just so... And I almost expected that in a way, not per se that we'd lose to Orlando, but when we looked at the schedule without Steph, I was just like, we're going to win some games you don't think we're going to win. And we're probably going to lose some games we should not lose. And that's sort of the way this team is. But a lot, a lot of that was me basing it on like the baby dubs that we like to call them. Um, You know, when they've, they've only played a handful of games without like Steph. But when they do that, and it's just focusing on like our young guys, for the most part, they have a lot of energy and they're competitive. And even if they don't win all those games, they've been in games with like Denver down to the very end, you know, they compete. And so um, when it's a game like that, which is what the heat game was, because Dre didn't play that game, Clay didn't play that game. When it's really a game just centered on our young guys, I almost Mm -hmm. give them a little bit more of a chance. And obviously the team needs Dre and Clay. I'm not suggesting that they don't. But um, the, you know, young players, you know, they're fighting for spots. They, they just, they tend to like give a little bit more. And so I don't know what version of the Warriors are going to be going up against the Grizzlies because you guys are the second night of a back-to-back for us. And so Kerr yeah. tends to rest Clay Thompson, Otto Porter. He tends to rest those guys. So I really have no clue. And we won't know till maybe like the day before or that day what's going to happen. Right. He doesn't announce it. So I don't know what version yeah. of the dubs you guys are going to be getting. I know Ja won't be playing, but right. I don't know what version of the dubs you're going to be getting. So it's really hard for me to speak in detail about what that matchup may look like. But the Grizz, on the other hand, Stacey, they look great whether or not Ja is there. And um, that's incredible. It, it's been amazing to watch, honestly. Um so I've been a Grizzlies fan for a very long time, and there were many, many years where roster decisions were made, players were drafted, and beyond, like, the starting five and maybe, like, two other guys that would come off the bench, as a Grizzlies fan, you would just kind of look and be like, what are we doing? And now to see that Taylor Jenkins can literally go, like, like a – hockey lineup you know what I mean like he can pull the starting five out put five other guys on the floor and like they can they maintain it it's not you don't have to put the starters back in and we're playing catch up again you know that those guys all have the same chemistry together you can mix and match those guys um I again what do you think that's the result of I mean some of it is like uh, Zach's great coaching right or and Zach our GM our new a hundred percent like he him and Robert Para have a mindset of how they want to build the team um what's important to them even like managing injuries things like that like you know uh, even me to a certain extent when Dylan was out with his ankle we were all like isn't it just a minor ankle sprain we thought it was just a minor ankle sprain but ultimately they're like we're thinking big picture so if like bringing Dylan back extra slow means that as we're ramping up his rehab, when we re-implement him into the game, he doesn't miss a beat. It's essentially like he never left, which is exactly what has happened. We're going to do that. And thankfully they did because we plugged Dylan back in and what happens now jaws out with some knee soreness. So, but definitely Zach Kleiman, our GM is killing it. 
Who was your second his best scouting player? team? Uh, in my opinion, yeah, our second best player is well, right now, I guess I would say our second best player is Jaron. Okay, and that is not something that well, it's something I always thought would be the case. It's not something that a lot of people would have said at the beginning of this beginning of the season. Um, you know, he signed his extension right before the season started. Um, he got big money. So obviously going into this year, everybody's expectations were really, really high for him. And this is the first full season that Jaron's been healthy. So the first few games, maybe month, month and a half, two months into the season, people were just – Jaron's got to do better. He's got to do this. I'm like, he's 23 years old, you guys. This is his first full season in the NBA. Like, give him a minute. I promise he's going to be all right. And I think that he's proven that he's he knows what he's doing. I mean, right. um, you know, he's leading in blocks. Like, his defense has gotten so much better. His footwork is better. Um, you know, he's putting on some upper body weight in a good way. It's not changing the way that he plays ball. Um, and I just really think that he has excellent, excellent potential. And so I'm just glad to see that he's able to kind of like lean into that now. Um, it's nice to see that he's kind of getting other people's eyes on him too, right. more than just like Grizzlies fans that have been watching him since we drafted him. Um, and just seeing him be successful has been very enjoyable because I'm like, I told y'all this was going to happen. So, Peter, I'm curious of you, someone who's like on the outside looking in at the Grizzlies. Like, I I think most people consider JJJ, you guys, second best player. But I think yeah. maybe earlier in the season, people debated, right? I mean, there was a time that what um, Brooks was your second leading scorer, right? Mm-hmm. Is that is that still the case, or is JJJ taking that over? Oh, I don't even know who the second leading scorer is right now because so yeah. many of them have been out so often, right? So, I mean, I think that's right. Um, there's a lot of talk, about, well, not a lot, but there's definitely some talk. Ja Morant definitely pushing it that JJJ should be like in the DPOY conversation. Curious to get both of your thoughts on that. I'll start with Peter and then I want to hear Stacey, obviously what you have to say. See, like when I watch the Grizzlies, I see it. I don't think him being a shout as DPOY is crazy. I don't think that's like anywhere near like the crazy shots I've heard this season, just like seeing the leaps he's taken and just seeing how much he affects shots around the rim. Like blocks are great. Those are highlights, but just seeing how much of a paint presence he can be and just like factoring in, this is his first real like health permitting, like full season. Right. And just, there's a bunch of potential on top of that. And he's got like the frame, and he's got the consistent motor where he's always going to be a problem. Like whether your shots are falling or whatever's going on at the offensive end, he's the kind of person who just causes chaos, but like in a good way. So people shouting Jaron as like DPO, I'm like, I get it. It's not as flashy as like a Giannis. You might not have as many chase down blocks, but like, I completely understand it. Um, well, you guys have your own player who people, some think should be in that conversation and that's Bridges. So, yes. I mean, do you, do you think he should be in the DPOY conversation as well? I think Bridges should be in the conversation. He's not going to win it. Uh, one thing that people might not know or a point that's not really driven home enough is Bridges has played the most minutes in the league this season. He's the only person our starting five who hasn't missed a game. 
and he was I think it's it's a stat I saw like he's traveled the most per game like covered the most distance oftentimes taken a number a team's number one option as well so like but again with Bridges you're not always going to get like highlight defensive plays because he's not a person who's going to meet you with the rim it's not that kind of stuff but um no I think Bridges should definitely be in the conversation like if I'm being objective he's not going to win like Mikel Bridges is just not a sexy enough pick for DPOI this year. Like, and neither of them will probably win. Yeah, they like, won't oh, win. Like, but like, no, yeah, if they they're not either, like, but... if they're not top four or five, then like I don't really know what we're looking at when we're like watching basketball and judging people's like defensive effectiveness. Like you could bring me all the net ratings on off whatever you want. Like when I watch the games, like when we play the Grizzlies, I'm like people are going to the basket. I'm like, this guy's a problem. And, like, when I watch Bridges night at most nights, I'm like, whoever he's guarding, like, it's an issue. You know, and he it's like that. Like Tony yeah. Allen in that way. Yeah, he's kind of, like, you know he's kind of the same way. And, like, Tony Allen didn't get enough respect for what he did over the course of his career. Because, I mean, this is the modern I NBA. So? I I don't think so from, like, most people. I, I think, like, like Tony Allen's a, really pretty known for his defense. But, like, I feel like at the time, he went from being, like, a completely yes. underrated defender, and then in hindsight, everybody acted like he was the greatest defender to ever walk the earth. I'm like, this is no, not exactly. how yes. the conversation right. Exactly. Like, you didn't hear that when they were playing, but yes. then, like, it was they're as soon all as he not left playing anymore, and they're like, hey, who's the, who's the best guy that you ever went up against on defense? And they're like, yep. oh, Tony Allen. And I'm like, where where was that energy when he was still playing y'all where was this energy six years ago he could have won awards with this you know but it's like everybody oh he was cold it's like where was this it's it's like like, yeah he put you in handcuffs every time we played i saw it but okay and i fear like bridges that i mean if that happens to him it is what it is like nba players are going to say what they want to what they want to say but like just when i watch it when i watch games night in night out Eight, I would say eight times out of ten, Bridges gets the better of who he's lined up across from. And it'll either be like an inefficient shooting game or you'll just completely remove that that person from the offensive end. And I just think that's really underrated. Like that's a really underrated skill in the modern NBA when you can't be as physical on the perimeter and when more often than not, regular season games are called in a way that benefits the team with the ball in their hands. Like people want to yep. see points. Right. You're out there to stop that person. It's so, it's so tough. It's tougher now to really get the better of someone, considering right. like all the ticky tack calls we see. Absolutely, how games are. It's just it's such a tough skill that it doesn't get respected enough. So I mean, if I had to guess, and I mean, obviously all respect to both of you, but I want I want neither of you to to make the finals. I want that to be the Warriors. But with that said, <laughs> I think that. Um, the Suns. I see no way that after this season that the players on your team don't start getting more respect, even if it doesn't conclude in like mm-hmm. a championship or even the finals. I think just based on the season they had, based on the way they played without Chris Paul, like people cannot keep saying, you know, Chris Paul's leadership. Most, Chris Paul. It's, the the, it's so fucking annoying. You know, I can't stand that. Mind-numbing narrative <laughs> in basketball. Like right. people act like our team is a bunch of kids. Yeah. Who will burn the house down if they're left alone if, for two months. Exactly. Exactly. You're leave the stove on. It's and nasty. It's like, so it's I like, think guys, I love Chris Paul. Chris Paul is great, but you cannot look me in the face and tell me Chris Paul is our best player. No, he's not. It, it's, and it's, if, it's, if anyone had really been following the Suns, right, and understood what they are, I think it wouldn't have been a surprise to them 
what happened the year Chris Paul came. Chris Paul knew he's smart. That's why he joined the Suns. He saw what was happening, right? Like if you watch them in the bubble, realize that they were missing DeAndre for a lot of that season. He was was gone for 25 games. If he didn't get suspended, we would have been in the playoffs. Absolutely. Oh, we weren't a playoff team, but like we weren't a playoff team via like a arbitrary like PED suspension right for like some random thing he ate it and wasn't also because of a shortened season because I think yes. if the season is longer you guys still make it in anyway as a low seed right so yeah I feel like that year if you guys had DeAndre you're probably like a top six team I think like maybe six or we something. were if you take out the 25 games he wasn't playing I think we had the fifth best record in the in the west while there he was go. there we were just so god awful when he wasn't there because our backups, our backup big at the time were like Kaminsky and like Saric. Right. I love Saric. I feel bad he tore his ACL in the finals, but like, let's be honest. We can't, like, we couldn't have competed at the time with like Saric anchoring our defense, you know? But like, when you miss a number one overall pick, like stuff like that, it happens. That's how it goes, right. you know? So, middle, so you guys probably would have been like a middle of the pack kind of team. And then, so the next year you get Chris Paul. You also have all the players who now develop and advance another year. You have a great coach. To me, where you guys ended up made sense. But to people, it was like they went from a non-playoff team to a top team. And it's all because of Chris Paul. It's the most disingenuous stuff. It's so nasty. So I think think after this year, you guys are going to hopefully, I'm hoping, get better respect and so maybe a player but I mean just in general they don't like to give um wings like credit in the DPOY conversation right like you have that happening over there with Tybull as well so I mean that's just another uphill battle to face I think JJJ will probably have an easier case getting into that discussion than you know one of those players and so what what is your take about JJJ and like being a DPOY candidate Stacey because Ja is like and the rest of your squad, you guys are like advocating for it and pushing. You know, yeah, I mean, the, the thing I lo- think that I love most about it, um, just kind of as it relates to this season particularly, is I think Tripp knows that he's kind of made a significant leap this season. Um, he feels that from his teammates. He feels that from his coaches. Like, I'm sure his dad is is in his ear about it, but I also think that he still knows that he's still got a lot of work to do. Like he knows that there's still potential that he's yet to kind of tap into and maximize. And so I think for him, he's just like, okay, you're right. I'm, I'm heading in that direction, but he's John and Jaron both are not the guys that um, are going to get like, maybe, maybe let me rewind that because John will get a little more heated, but like, Trip's not going to get heated if people are like, oh, he doesn't deserve to be in that conversation. Like, what's he done? He just, like, lets it slide. It's just fuel for him. And so I think for this year, I think it's a good um, kind of motivational tool tool for him. Just, like, hearing national people kind of taking notice of the ways that he's improved his game, Um, you know, hearing – how other teams are having to kind of start to scheme for him because of the way that he impacts shots around the rim, even if he's not, you know, doing all these crazy chase down blocks, things like that. I think it's just motivating him further to continue to like develop um, certain aspects of his game. And I'm really interested to see kind of what that looks like, you know, two years, three years down the road. 
um, assuming, you know, that we're able to keep kind of the core of those guys together. Did you expect them to be this good after losing Valanchunas? I, I knew that when we were going to get rid of Jonas, part of that was you can't like, you can't really play him and Jaron together. Like it just doesn't work the way that they both play basketball, um, the things that they need, kind of the space that they take up, that kind of thing. It just, it's never going to work. You can't roll both of them out there together. Now there have been times where like Steven Adams and, and Jaron can be on the floor together and that works. Um, but when I think we had all gotten so comfortable having Jonas because Jaron had not been able to stay healthy and stay on the floor that for a lot of us we were like you're gonna trade him what are we gonna do you know what I mean but and and then they trade him and we get Steven Adams and if I was very not pleased with that (laughs) just from like a grudging standpoint I was like y'all really traded for the man that got Debo thrown out of a series we're doing right. that, you know, but I mean, he, I, I think he honestly has had a huge impact on Jaron's game. Just like uh, the way that they communicate with one another, um, picking up different aspects of like things that Steven does. Like, I think having somebody else um, in the locker room with him, who's like, younger and I think he's more kind of like in their same phase of life too so they all like kick it together they hang out more you know like we love Jonas we did but he's like married and has kids like he he was more that guy so um definitely did not think that we were going to be able to improve that position as well as they did when they traded him but I'm never been happier to be wrong got you so I want to I want to talk about awards for a moment because I feel like Ja and Booker both, right? They're interesting to me because I kind of look at them similarly, even though they're very different players. But um, Ja has like really kind of blew up a lot this season. I mean, I think people always love Ja, but it's like, you know, all the the social media stuff, like, you know, Spider-Man commercials, um, you know, everyone's calling him the most exciting player in the league, right? So um you know there are people saying like he should be in the MVP conversation and you know he's getting like a lot of attention that I think is fair and deserved but you have Booker who you know is on the team with the best record in the league by a substantial margin you know in the west and the east and in terms of their stats they're not drastically different right um and traditional and advanced metrics they're they're pretty comparable right and yet Jaw's name is like, at least he's probably not, he's not going to win. And he might be on like the fringes of it, but he's being talked about being MVP discussions and Booker isn't. Um, Just like for the record, I don't think either one of them should be the MVP. Um, But what do you, what, I know what you guys are probably going to say, but I want to hear what you think. Why do you think that is like, Jaw is like, yeah, let's talk about him being in the MVP conversation. And for Booker, it's not. (laughs) <laughs> let's start it's there easy. it's easy we had to fight our own narrative about our own team from the beginning of the season it was Chris Paul makes everything run right so like Devin Booker is a victim of the narrative surrounding his teammates effect on the team 
Like if from day one, it would have been, hey guys, Devin Booker's our best player. And like, I know you guys love Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul as well. Like I respect the impact he's brought to the team, but like Devin Booker's our best player. Let's stop beating around the bush. Like, Chris Paul fun. also cost Monty a coach of the year vote, coach of the year award. Like it's, it's just, <laughs> like, it's just like, he's our best player. Let's put our arms around him from day one. So we could have run the narrative the entire time. Do you think the right. Suns thought that? Like, do you think like Monty and everyone in the organization thought Booker was their best player? Uh, privately, yes. I think all the players know. And I think they knew from like the finals last year and like the conference final. Like, I think people knew from like the playoff run last year. Like, Devin Booker is our most important player, is our best player. It was just for a I long I don't think there's time. a distinction between the two. Like when people try to make that distinction, I don't believe in it. Like if okay, you're the most he's both of those things to right. us. I just, I think he is our franchise guy. He is the cornerstone piece, right? But for so long, the narrative, like national media narrative was, oh, it's Chris Paul's team. Like he's leading them. Like he's made Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson way better players. And I'm like, well, they were going to be that. Like in this system, they were always going to develop like, they're 22 and 23 years old, you know, like they're yeah. getting there, you know, like stuff like that. But when you're fighting like against the narrative from day one, whereas with Ja, it's been Ja's team, right? For that's the way it's been phrased. That's the way it looks from the outside. Everyone is cool with that, right? So it's Ja's team from day one. And let's be honest, we didn't think the Grizzlies are going to be this good this quickly. I thought they would be about a five or a six seed. I was like, I think they're better. They have a lot of young players. They're inevitably going to get better. There seems to be continuity. I like that. I didn't think the Grizzlies would be winning 57, 58 games by the end of the season. I don't think anybody did, right? So, like, you got the exceeding expectations in that way. In a way, the Suns have as well, but it didn't look like what everybody thought it was going to look like. Like, remember, when Chris Paul broke his hand against the Rockets, I don't even know why he was in that game, but whatever. Uh, over the all-star break, people were like, hey, there's no Chris Paul, but the Sun's going to hold on to this. And then we started three and three post-all-star break, right? Problem wasn't that Chris Paul wasn't there. The problem was that Alfred Payton was our starting point guard. Campaign also messed up his wrist, right? I'll say it, and I fully believe it. I'd go to my grave with this. We are a 55-win team if campaign is healthy and our starting point guard the whole season minimum. We are not a bad team with campaign running the offense. Right. Do I want campaign with the ball in his hands with three minutes left? No, I don't. Give the ball to Chris Paul. That's what you do. That's why you're here. Right. That's great. But let's not sit here and act like the team falls apart in his absence. We started three and three. National media was like, oh, they can't do it without Chris Paul. I'm like, guys, our point guards were Alfred Payton and Aaron Holiday, who just arrived from the Wizards a week right. ago. Like, give us a break. Like, so both of your teams without your best <laughs> players and Ja, I believe is the Grizzlies best players and book, both of your teams still win at an incredibly high clip. The, the Grizzlies are like another level of that, but you guys still like win at a high clip without your best players. So when people, and I don't think they ding book as much for this, but maybe I'm wrong. It's hard to keep up with all the narratives, but do you think that is something that should count against them for consideration of things like MVP, that their teams are so good when they're not there? No, because I think if you're going to, oh, sorry, go ahead. I think if you're going to, if you're going to use that side of it as an argument against them, then shouldn't you also use an argument 
against someone who plays on a horrible team with a horrible record, if you're going to like, there's always that person that they're like, oh, this guy's the most important person on his team. Look at his stats. If his record is trash, why is he still getting gassed up for MVP? Like you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's the same way with Booker. Like, we that's why Jaws like, why is nobody so, yeah. winning? I mean, Jaw the other night on Twitter was like, how is how is nobody talking about Devin Booker in the MVP conversation? Right. And people, fans were like arguing with him about it. And they were basically throwing the same kind of stats at him that they throw against Jaw, you know? And he was like, aren't you proving my points for me? Like, yeah, I, I saw those arguments. I thought it was we're We're seven and three, I think it is, without book this season. Yeah, without, but games, because he got his, he strained his calf against you guys in the first Warriors game. He missed seven games then, mm-hmm. we went five and two. And then, and then he missed he, a couple of games for COVID. Yeah, he was out for COVID for three games. We had the Cam Johnson game against the Knicks, and then we lost the Bucks without him. And but like, that was a close yeah. game. So, like, the end, we, we should have won, even with like, the, <laughs> whatever. Is Chris Middleton decided to play like an all NBA player. So cool. But, um, yeah, it's if you're going to count, teams functioning as actual teams and like maintaining a certain level of like excellence without them like again if you're going to count that against certain players then remove everyone with mediocre sub 500 records from any awards table please and please stick to the we're going to try and give it to the best players on the best teams award like it has to all count or it cannot count like i don't want to see people fighting to stay above the play in line and the mvp vote if we're going to think about things this way this is not some main character rescue act kind of award. Right. Like, let's add some consistency to it. I don't like it. So I'm going to tell you my criteria for MVP, both of you guys, and I'd like to hear what you guys think. Because I don't, I don't, I think the fact that the teams can win without their best players should be considered, but not to the extent that you completely discount someone for that. Like, I don't think, because I feel like you're penalizing players for having good teammates right and I don't think that that should happen right um but I'm a believer in looking at like traditional stats and looking at like advanced metrics right and so for me uh, part of the reason why like I don't have players like Ja and Book yet in MVP conversations is because their advanced metrics don't look like players like Giannis and Steph and and Embiid and like those guys yet I think they will eventually because to me they're like on the track for that but also when I think of MVPs I do think of like tier one like I kind of put players into tiers so I think of them as like tier one guys right and so if you're telling me that book or jaw or MVP level players then that means they're on the level of players like Giannis and they're on the level of players like Kevin Durant and like Steph and maybe you guys believe that like you're entitled to believe that I don't think they're there yet so same would go for like a player like Tatum too I just don't think those guys are there yet so that's part of why I don't put them in the MVP conversation as well um so I do look at things like on-offs I look at you know the traditional stats I take and I do look at record though and record's important and this push this year for Jokic really fucking bugs me. It does. And I love Jokic and I'm a big fan of him. Last year when Warriors fans were saying like Steph should be MVP, I was like, Steph is not the MVP. We are eighth seed. Stop that. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> like that. Like he was incredible. And I actually think if the Warriors 
we're not trying to soft tank. I feel like they blew an MVP season for him because I think we could have actually been much Mm -hmm. higher in the standings. So similar to like the Suns where people were shocked that the Warriors were where they were this year. I'm like, you shouldn't have been if you watched the end of last season. Like the Warriors were never actually an eighth seed team. Well, ninth because we got kicked out of the plan. But that's never what they really were. They were kind of around like a fifth seed team when you look at their win their win record with Steph on the court so um but I was like no like Jokic should be in a unanimous MVP like I don't even know what we're discussing that's what I thought last year like they were just seventh last week they still have a chance to fall to seventh mm-hmm. you know I think Russell Westbrook is like the outlier that people point to well like Russell Westbrook won and I don't think he should have won either like he shouldn't have gotten MVP <laughs> I don't I don't think he should have won <laughs> and I was loud was- about it then so that opened this, up Pandora's box. This trend that it's starting, we're like, and part of this is because the Zach Lowe's of the world are very enamored with analytics. And Jokic is amazing. So I don't want to discredit him, but this idea that you should be MVP when you're, what is more valuable than winning? What is more valuable than winning? I'm, I'm honestly offended by it. And because of this, people are calling me a Jokic hater when I was saying the man should be unanimous last year, but I just, I don't think he should be the MVP. So that's my criteria. And I'm curious now, you guys give me all the pushback in the world if you want to, but that, that's how I look at MVP. Yeah, I don't hate it. Like, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Booker's and VAT stats, like, are not great compared to like elite players like around the NBA, right? Like if you're gonna Why do you think that is? Tell me tell me why that is. Um to be honest, I think Booker isn't necessarily necessarily relied upon to do a lot of creating, right? Unless he has to, right? So he becomes a volume scorer a lot of the times in our offense, which he's fantastic at. But anybody whose primary mission is to volume score that doesn't get to the free throw line an absurd amount of times because he doesn't because let's be honest most of his shots are like 16 17 feet now any person who like plays under those parameters advanced metrics just aren't going to smile on you and re- like in reference Clay thompson to- yeah like the clay thompson's advanced they're never going to be great because yep. look at how he's asked to play and look at what he's good at like that's just the reality so like and clay thompson how- it can't create though like we don't want him doing it you made the argument that Booker, oh, he can. We just Booker don't is a best. Do but do you him. think he's as good? Like, I get it. He can create. But do you think he can create like the way some of those other guys can? And it's just not. Um, no, I don't think he's as naturally. I don't. I don't think he's as good a passer and a playmaker as like some of the top guys in the MVP conversation. But the way that the like commentary is phrased is like he can't do this. He can right. only do like guys. Booker was asked to playmake and be the focal point of the offense, the primary ball handler for a lot more than he should have been when we were playing bad basketball when he was younger, right? But one thing that experience did give him is the ability to slide over for point guard when we need him to or to take the ball out of Chris Paul's hands down the stretch in a game and for us to get quality shots, right? So, like, he's more than a scorer. That being said, scoring is absolutely what he's best at. But, like, in terms of creating, and even Booker on the defensive end, he's a lot better than what he gets credit for. But for so long, he was phrased as a guy who got you empty calories, empty points, we right. were bad, right? So like, it's gonna take more than a season and a half, two seasons, especially when you're next to somebody who everybody is convinced and is willing to bang the table that is the best player on your team that's not actually right. you. 
It's just going to take more evidence for people to change their mind because they're so stuck in their ways about it. I think the sons were a little late too to the party to start banging the MVP. Yeah. Like I see them yeah. doing it now, but it's I'm like, why late. weren't you making this push for him earlier? And that's why I asked this. you. That's why I asked you. Do you think the sons believed he was their best player? Because if they did, why weren't they? Because, and I say this because if you look at a team like the Warriors, n- not throughout the whole organization, but Steve Kerr specifically thought Kevin Durant was a better player than Steph Curry. Like he made Mm -hmm. that known, which we as fans hated, right? Like the, the owner has said, like, they're like, he always just presented them like they were even. And I don't know if he believed that, but he at least had enough common sense to know, like, that's what you should say on the outside, but Kerr didn't. And I think that's why Kerr is so comfortable saying things like Jokic is the MVP. Like whether you think Steph is having an off season to say that when you have an MVP caliber player, someone who was in the conference, it's bizarre. So that's why I'm, and, and, and we know when, when Bob Myers came out and said, we just didn't think he would be this good. This tells you how they think. And some of that is their traditional thinking about basketball. Steph is six, three, he's a guard, like, Isaiah Thomas will always come on TV and say this, like, if you were 6'3", if you're a guard, if you're a smaller player, people just automatically say you cannot be the best. That's just like where they, they start as a starting point, right? And mm-hmm. so, but they, they did not always believe that. So that's why I'm asking, like, do you think internally the Suns, you know, maybe some of them did think Chris Paul was their best player? Because I oh. don't understand why they weren't beating the drum for Booker earlier. It's tough, right? Because Monty coached Chris Paul like back in New Orleans like a decade ago and they have like that like close relationship and I find it hard to believe that everyone would just start banging the drum for Booker earlier in the season without like a sort of passing of the torch from like Chris Paul like a lot of this national narrative everybody knows like we act like it's unfair but like the players know it and like to an extent, they're kind of cool with it. Or like, and I think Chris Paul likes it. it. To be honest, I yeah, think like, in games when he would come in and do some of that shit, I think he liked it and wanted. Like, I don't like, like Chris Paul. I'm not a fan of him. So I know like they is, all love like, him. Yeah. I'm not either. But I think I think he wanted that attention. That's why I think he would come in and try to at the end juice up some of his stats and take those. Sh- I think he wanted. I think he likes that narrative personally. And like, so it's like so to me, like I agree with you, like it's there because he knows it's there and he has the power to change it. And like, so it's just for me, the players, they know who the, they know who the alpha and the, like the best player in the locker room is. They know it's Devin Booker. Everybody knows it's Devin Booker. Monty Williams privately would admit to you it's Devin Booker, but like, it's going to take something like winning a championship with Booker winning like a finals MVP, in my opinion, for Chris Paul to want to like hand the torch over kind of thing. This is what I was worried about kind of like a few years ago. I was like, we're going to get to a point where maybe like egos clash. And I don't want that to be like the downfall of this team. If we're going to lose, I want us somebody to just be better than us. Like if Giannis drops 50 on us again, whatever. I can live with that. That's fine. But like, it's it, there's a lot of the ego that comes with having a Chris Paul on your team. And like, we were so bad for so long. A lot of our fans like don't really care. But in terms of like looking to the future, Chris Paul is what, like 37? Like Book's 25, Bridges is 24, Cam is right. 23, like Aiton's 23, like 24. Like it's just the passing of the torch, the passing, like changing the guard is going to have to happen. Were you and, okay like, with, with that contract they gave to Chris Paul? We kind of had to do it 
where like we weren't gonna just cut him loose. I don't love that it's could be four years and we can have Chris Paul till he's 41. But like at the same time, this is the best Suns team I've ever seen in my life. This might be the best Suns team I'm ever gonna see. If that's if that's what we have to do to help keep the championship window open, then like I guess we'll just deal with the consequences when they come. Cause like we I just need one. I just need one championship. I just I need hear one. You. Like, you know, we had to do it. I want to talk about the Grizzlies for a second. So, because I also think that Jaws' style of play also bodes well for him for like MVP conversations where Booker's like, "Eh." I mean, he's good and you like watches, but he's just not as exciting. So, Jaws a better watch. Right. He's a better, he's more exciting to watch. I'll admit that. There's more flash there. He's doing crazy shit all the time. So, and I mean, like, admittedly, there are a lot of Warriors fans who don't like Ja. I'm not one of them. Oh, I'm um, very familiar with them. They find there's me. A, there's, a, there's a lot who don't. And I mean, I understand why they don't either. Um, so, and you know, the Grizzlies are interesting because people are very, like, upset at the way that y'all talk trash. And I don't mind it. But I always just say, like, they just better come through and produce because if they don't, the thing. I'm going to talk when my you, shit. <laughs> when you've been the franchise that everyone talks shit to for 10 plus years mm-hmm. number one you you build your little community our little cor- corner of the world right, right. where it, memphis versus everybody that's not just like a thing that they like pump out when you guys are like randomly taking in a basketball game like that's mm-hmm. very much the way that people are wired here to begin with so then when you see that translate to like our basketball team and then that overflows into like the fan base like that's that's like a genuine evolution of just like our culture and our city and our basketball team like that's just how it is like that basketball is like I don't mind it at all I just you know what my fear is with a player like Ja it's a little bit in a way similar to Luca right Mm -hmm. in that like those first two years the media was on Luca, 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 Luca. And then he had like two postseasons where whether you, he didn't make it out the, the, the first round. Right. And there's a lot of people who would say like, what do you expect? He's like, didn't have the right team. He's a young guy, all of these things, which I think are fair. But my pushback to that used to be like, but then stop fucking doing the rankings and telling me he's better than these guys. <laughs> like yeah like you know because they came out with a ranking one year and they had Luca two or three I think it was I think they had him third they had him ahead of Kevin Durant they had him ahead of Stephen Curry they had him again ahead of a lot of players right and so I don't know where what's going to happen with Ja coming into next season right but I see a lot of people already saying and I don't mind because I remember Ja came out and said I think I'm one of the top five point guards in the league and I, I tell you I laughed I was like okay Ja you're great you're not there yet that was my thought and he's proven he is one of the top five you know guards in the league but I see okay people starting to make lists oh he's better than this guy this guy this guy and so when you start to tell me that then there are expectations that come with that right and so now mm-hmm. if you don't do it then what the media does is they now go back and they tear you down or they say, you know, whatever. So that's a little bit of my fear with him. And like, you know, I know he can handle it and Jaws great. And I have no doubt that he's going to exceed, but I, th- I I worry about that a little bit just when I kind of observe like how the media is handling him, but just in general, right? Like, you know, there was all the Andre Iguodala stuff when he came to the team. And so, you know, like, Warriors fans like fuck you you're not going to talk about our guys so we our teams have like you know you guys beat us in the play-in 
So I understand like why all the animosity is there, but I've just always like Josh is exciting. Like I, I do enjoy watching him. I personally yeah. love shit talking. I'm I'm an old school NBA fan. I don't Me like too. the guys fucking being friends. I don't like Draymond yeah. Green no, fucking and talking like about LeBron the- James. Fuck these people. They're all our enemies. So yes. that's how I am. So when I don't they're mind playing it. against each other. Like the fact that they expect like our guys particularly because our team is so young and I'm sure maybe the Suns get this a little bit too but like why are you expecting our team when we're beating you right like on the floor in game our guys are supposed to be respectful like they're not supposed to be talking shit to you no no they don't have to kiss your ring when they're trying to when you're trying to post them up five seconds ago like let me tell you what I like about that because to me that means they're not front runners right and like that's what that's what Michael Jordan talks about like if you can talk shit because like what I guess what some people's argument is like they haven't done anything yet like great you're winning some games but you haven't done anything and you're talking hella cash I don't mind that though like I said I don't care if you talk shit just back it up it's when you don't back it up I'm gonna be like oh what happened to like we run up chimneys I'm just letting you know that would be me who would say that but <laughs> outside of that I I really don't mind I'm like they should talk their shit Josh should feel like he's the best like he shouldn't humble himself to anyone and so I do feel like that I'm also the person who will throw it back in your face just letting everyone oh, know that's absolutely. who I am and so I don't 100%. I don't I don't have a problem with it do you think this era is better than grit and grind Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 It's way more, it's a way, way more exciting brand of basketball to watch. One. Um, definitely getting on, you know, there's a lot more scoring involved and the ball moves a lot more. I mean, God, there were many, many games during that era. And I loved those guys, loved them. But I mean, you would be sitting there watching it as a fan and you'd be like, are y'all going to move the basketball or. We're just going to stand around and talk about it. What are we doing? But we didn't, I mean, we had nobody to space the floor with. Nobody. We had no shooters. There was nobody they could put on the wing. They couldn't swing that ball more than about twice. I mean, it was, it was not great basketball to watch, you I know, feel like but the Grizzlies are one of the small market teams who demonstrate, like, you can be confident and be good and be relevant. Cause I kind of feel like a lot of times with small market teams, it's like, oh woe is me we're small market and I'm not saying that you guys like it's not harder for small markets but a lot of times small market teams are just incompetent and like the incompetence gets overlooked to just say well it's because they're a small market and I feel like you guys constantly demonstrate that like even if grit and grind wasn't as good they were a good team and they were in the playoffs and they were like you know and and then you have like this this team like I just feel that like it's it's not so much about being a small market team and it's about confidence right and you guys to me I think are like the gold standard you know for I mean I guess if you consider like San Antonio a small market team too but you know OKC did it for a little while I don't know they've been holding on to them picks forever I don't know what they're gonna do but incompetence to me was letting James Harden walk right so um over small dollars so you guys to me really to me are like one of the top standards for like how a small market team should operate which is crazy because if you had said that to me 10 years ago, I would have been like, we're going to be what people are going to say that about this team and about that franchise and about that front office. Are you sure? Whatever you have, let me have some, because there's no way. I mean, literally because the, the people that were making 
drafting choices, the people that were doing the scout, like the, it just, we were not in a good, we were not in a good place. And to, so to even just see that evolve, especially how quickly it has kind of swung in the other direction. Um, and like not ever second guessing what they're doing with the roster is very strange as a fan to not ever be concerned and be like, mm-hmm. like even with the Jonas thing this summer, like when they decided that they were going to trade him normally, you know, pre grit and grind, I would have been like, mm-hmm. no, what are we doing? What are we doing? It would have been a panic thing. This time it was just like, mm-hmm. hey, Zach knows what he's doing. There's a plan here. So you that mentioned GM and coach earlier. Do you think that they should be like coach of the year and, and GM of the year? Like, do you think they should be? Do you think they're in the well, running for it? What do you think? I think they should be in the conversation. I don't think that, I don't think Taylor Jenkins will get coach of the year, but I think you definitely have to talk about it with him. There's no way that you can't. I mean, but I, I feel like Monty should be coach of the year just because y'all have that young. I think any coach that can take a team full of, hella young players right like guys that are in their 20s 22 23 24 if you can have those guys buying in to your style of play all of them are developing right and you're ripping wins off at the clip at the level that he's got like the sun's playing at for example and and now he's doing it consistently like they've been consistently good it's not just like a one-off I don't and, and Taylor's doing the same thing with our guys, you know, it's like Jaws rookie season, not great. But last year it was like, they took this, they took that first step. And then this year they've built on that again. So I feel like guys like that, like that's who you should be looking at at coach of the year, in my opinion, but I think Monty should get it. Who do you think is coach of the year, Peter? It, if they don't give it to Monty Williams this time, I don't know what we, what we do as a fan base. Like, look, who are the Sorry. names in the conversation right now? I haven't been following that discussion. For me, closely. it should be Taylor Jenkins. It should be Monty. Um, let me try and think. Anyone? Um, Those are the only two I'm even given. Like, oh, yeah. honestly, like anybody else that they're saying, I'm like, what are you talking about? No. If you wanted to just... push the Celtics coach in there, you could, but they were yes, horrible. For I months. do. So, like, yeah, you could. But he's a new coach. That's I, I'm not saying point. that he should win, but I do think he should be in there because he's a new it's coach. Sort of and when you implement it. new symptoms, when you implement new systems and, and stuff, mm-hmm. sometimes it takes teams a while, right? So when you look at the turnaround they've done in season, it's pretty remarkable. I understand that it didn't happen over the course of the season, but the reason I give that a pass is because it was his first year. Like if it was yeah. like he was the second or third year and that happened, then they turned it around. It would still be great, but it's like, you know, but he's a brand new coach. So, but yeah, it, he should, I don't know who people are saying should win it. I thought Monty should have won it last year. I was very yeah. pissed. And when I heard people saying, well, like, like Chris Paul, I said, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> I was so livid. And now you, you give it to Tibbs and look at where the fucking Knicks are this year. Like what we do not know about Tibbs yet by now. I'm so annoyed. I can't, I can't with that. <laughs> look, I like, really can't. I understand like New York basketball, the league wants a team in New York to be good so badly. Like, well, y'all can it. keep trying. Cause like, look, but like, Monty should have got it last year. The Suns are 111 and 35 over the last two seasons, regular season basketball. At 76% of their games, they win. 
right? With numerous injuries and whatever, like during COVID as well. Like, let's not like let's not overthink this one, guys. Like, Ola Jenkins, I respect the job he's done. If we didn't have so many wins, I'd be okay with giving it to him. I'm not just saying this guy support the Suns, but like, if not now, if not now, how can Monty build a better coach of the year case over any right. season? Not now. Agreed. I'm like, what else does man have to do? Like, we're <laughs> two wins away from. We're if we win our three games, these next three games, we set the franchise record for wins as well. Like, what do we have to do? I don't know. Just don't overthink this one, guys. <laughs> so okay. So I want to know. Tell me though. Okay. So tell me who you guys think should be MVP. I want to know that, and then I want to do all NBA, and then I want to talk about these games this week. Um, briefly. So. Who do you think should be, I know we talked about like your guys' players and whether they should or shouldn't be in the conversation, but who do you actually think should win the MVP award? If you had a vote, who would, who, who would you be giving your vote to? And if it's your own guy, that's fine too. I just want to know. No, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually give it to Booker. I wouldn't. Um, I think depending on where Philly ends in the standings, I think if they're like top two or three, I think Embiid needs to get serious consideration because he was basically carrying that team up until the trade deadline. And they were also winning games at the time. Like when they, he was hurt for, I think it was two tell weeks me the, Tell me the case for Embiid over Giannis, because if I just looked at their numbers, I think Giannis has the stronger case if I'm being hey, I'm not gonna lie I but Embiid has of, the stronger narrative right I, I suffer from a bit of Giannis fatigue and like to me I feel like the Bucks are just kind of going through the motions and like gearing up for the playoffs right so like, they're inconsistent and people keep telling me that and I why do they get this benefit of the doubt they've only been to one championship so why the fuck know, why but, the fuck would they just be like lazy and taking it easy because I they're out there trying to win games and they're not winning uh, i don't i don't girl, think it's like i don't know what they're doing last time yeah, they're, they're like, very inconsistent and it's just going overlooked and people are just like oh yeah they're just not you know they're focused on the post i'm like this is not when the warriors won their first chip they came back the next season with a vengeance and even though they didn't win they made it to the finals they took it disrespectfully to the Suns. They took it disrespectfully mm -hmm. that people didn't res respect their campaign the first year, right? The Bucks win and like they're inconsistent. They're chilling. Yeah, they have like a pretty good record and they're at the top of the standings, but they just haven't been like a dominant team. They're losing games regularly. I don't think that they should lose. And then people are telling me about, and I'm not saying he's not important, but they're mm -hmm. telling me about, I get very annoyed when people tell me about players missing and I'm just like so are you telling me that unless Giannis has every single player like that he can't win any games because why is it that all these other teams can win games right like I have a problem with that so I've heard Brooke Lopez I heard earlier in the season when Drew was out I've heard this I heard that whatever I'll give him passes for all of that because he's a great player and he won last year but they to me have not been looking like a team that's like ready in my opinion right so but I still think Giannis's numbers are in theory better than not in theory they are his numbers are better than Embiid's not like drastically but you get what I'm saying so what is the case for Embiid over him I just I feel like I watched Embiid play with inferior players relative to what Giannis had for over a course of the season and okay. I saw how bad that team was I think it was like November December when Embiid was out I saw how, like, at one point, I think it was something like they were, like, 17 and, like, 15. 
What do you think when people talk about Jokic's teammates in comparison to not now with James Harden, but before? Because people seem to make it seem like Jokic's Jokic's teammates are terrible. They're not terrible. Right. They're not terrible. I I didn't feel like Embiid had like such greater teammates. No, I feel like that's a people act like Philly supporting cast is like miles better than Denver. No, they're like they feel the same, Stacey. Well, because I'm like, have y'all ever watched a 76ers game or like who are the what are, I just want to know what those people are watching when they say things like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, is there a drastic they, difference between Tobias and and Aaron Garden, Gordon? Like, is it drastically different? It's nominal, right? It's the like contract is different, but in terms of how they play, no, it's like it's very similar. It's very similar. Tobias just, just makes a lot more money, which like shout out to him, get your money. But like, people <laughs> act like Denver is an absolutely horrible supporting cast. It's not horrible. It's not great, but it's not as bad as people make it sound. Right. You know, it's not even close. I agree. Embiid would be my vote too, but I, I don't like the fact that he has to finish top two and possibly get the scoring title for that to tip him over the edge when 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 Jokic is teetering on like a seventh seed. That that annoys me, but my vote would be to Embiid as well. Um, what about you, Stacey? No, I mean I agree. I and I guess, like, for me, watching him play basketball last season, this season, and, like, it's been incredible to watch just from, like, a person that likes the sport standpoint. Like, obviously, I've never been a 76ers fan. I didn't know squat about Joel Embiid before he actually really started playing in the NBA. But, you know, when he – his first two years in the league doesn't play, right – First season that he actually does play any games, he plays like 30 something. Like, I mean, sample size is very, very small, right? And then he's really like taken off from there. So to see him playing such high level elite basketball is sick. Like, and he's so good. He's so valuable at what he does. But then I'm also like, seeing a player like that who plays ball the way that he does carry his team which is what you guys were just saying to me is ridiculously impressive because I feel like that's so hard for that position on the floor to be the guy that is being the volume scorer he's the one that's like putting the ball through the hoop and getting you wins like you don't usually see it from that position Right. in my opinion anymore in the NBA like it's usually coming from a wing it's coming from a guard like it's it's coming from somebody who's shooting you know outside the paint more often than not and so for him to be putting up the numbers that he's putting up literally putting the team on his back because he's like okay we we gotta go like I'll drag you guys where you know I definitely to need him to win scoring title because I cannot have yeah. it LeBron I will just like bomb it <laughs> so um <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm sorry, Stacey. I hear you. <laughs> no, but I mean, the, I I think just what I th- so for me when I'm watching him this season and seeing him do the things that he's doing, um, and also in conjunction with that, he's on a team now who also is doing well. I'm like, he's he has been in the mud with this for a long time. Like, I feel like he has put in the work. He's showing it on a, on the stage. Like, I don't I just I don't know how you can not. I don't, I don't and I know feel like the not. argument, like, I mean, they're going to say he got James Harden now, but like, I don't, I, you can't really make the argument anymore that the records between him and Jokic are similar because now there's a few games distance. And, and my argument was always that like, I get that their records may have been close, but being 
a top two seed in the East is more valuable <laughs> than being a, a number six. And it doesn't matter that they, they don't play in the same conference. So he has his team at a higher standing in the East. That's more valuable, even if they have one close to the same number of games. So I think it should be Embiid. Um, it's, the end of the season, it's so ridiculous is really what's going to determine this, like how they finish, which, you know, those are the things that annoy me about like MVP where they look very closely at like, cause that's how um, Russ got it that year. It was like, he kind of had a stronger close to the season than, than Harden. And they were so enamored with the triple double thing. Meanwhile, like if Harden just averaged two more rebounds, you know, I mean, my vote was actually Kawhi that year, but that doesn't matter. I just, I just didn't think that Russ deserved it. Okay. So we seem to be aligned on Embiid now. Um, what about all NBA? Now tell me, cause this one's a little controversial with the guards. So I, I feel like each of us would have like our guard in there and then another guy, but you know, we were talking about Luca. We're talking about Ja. We're talking about Steph. We're talking about Booker. To me, those have to be first and second team. Any other guards, like those are the top four. So it's just a matter of who makes first and second. I saw someone try to put like, um, 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 Utah, Utah guy. What's Mitchell. his name? Yeah. Uh, above book. And I was like, and Moran. I was like, Donovan Mitchell who couldn't win a game without Rudy Gobert healthy. That I don't, I don't want to hear anything about him, but I, I, I do think the top four guards are the four that I named. So, you know, they've all missed some games. I think it's going to probably work out that Ja has missed the most out of all of them, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But Luca had some timeouts. Steph is out right now. Um, book definitely had time out, but I don't think as much. And, um, who's the fourth one I said? Luca. Yeah. Luca, Ja, book and Steph. They've all missed time though. So putting that aside and looking at like their teams records, what they've done, who do you think should be, um, first team? Stacey, you can take it first. Um, so wh- did they, is it still the same? They do it by, by position or did they mm-hmm. change it? Okay. It's my position. So first team, I'm going, I honestly think Devin Booker should be first team. I really do. Oh, um, I think do. that he's, I think he's earned it. I think he has shown consistently, you know, I don't even, cause I don't think, I mean, sure. People say they judge it off one season, right? I guess I don't view things that way when I'm, thinking awards like that like I'm if you have a breakout season is that going to factor into my mindset of why I would pick someone sure but I also tend to look at progression right so for Devin Booker I I just feel like I just feel like he should be first team I just think that he's shown that he should be he's earned it in my opinion um Oh, as much as I don't want to say this, I guess I would probably give it to uh, I'll probably give it to Steph, honestly. Like really? Like what's your reasoning for that? Well, I just think he so for me, with a guy like Steph, like he is more than just like, 
so when I say like he's your team leader I don't mean it in the way that people say it about Chris Paul with the Suns right right? like (laughs) I just want to be clear about that um but like Steph is like a phenomenon in in the world of basketball like the position that he plays the things that he's able to do um and so I, I don't know I just even though I'm not a Warriors girl, like watching Steph Curry play basketball, like getting to be an NBA fan now while Steph Curry's doing what Steph Curry's doing, I, I honestly, I'll probably vote for him for every award all the time if I could. Because <laughs> it's, I just think it's an incredible, I feel like it's like being this age, if we were our age and like Jordan was doing what he was doing, like getting to watch it. It as, is like, like that. an adult and not a child, right? So like- It is like that. And I, I so say I that because I was gonna, alive for that time. I was alive for like, well, well not even just alive. I was, I was alive too, it. but I was like not, you know, I wasn't in my 30s, like able to right. like fully appreciate what was yeah. happening. And so I think like when I'm in my 50s and we're looking back at what Steph's doing right now in the NBA and when people are talking about Steph 20 years from now, I think it's going to be in that same lens. So it is a perfect comparison. I actually, and I hated Jordan. I was like a big Magic Johnson girl. Didn't love Jordan because he beat them, the Lakers. But, um, well, he beat Magic. That's really how it was for me. And and so, but I say that because LeBron fans get really angry. They're just like, what do you mean? And I'm just like, I'm not talking about from like, who's the best player. I'm talking about like the impact on the game and how people respond to him and and yeah. and and like the like the rock star status with like, no matter what arena he's in, like that, that's what I'm talking about. Um, it's very similar to Jordan. And I really haven't seen anything like it, you know, since Jordan until Steph. So it's remarkable to me. But like, at least just based on the seasons, I would put Steph in there too. And I'd probably give it to Booker because of wins, right? I, I would. Now, if Ja hadn't, what, what dings Ja for me, I'm not putting Luca in there. I know people want to, but I don't think you can just excuse. Steph did have a shooting slump, but I still don't think you can excuse Luca coming in to the season out of shape and not playing well, which directly impacted his team. And that's the difference between like Steph and Luca. When people talk about Steph's slump, his team was still winning. <laughs> Luca's slump affected his team like a lot. And so I. I, I would still put Luca at second team, but with Ja and Booker, those are the two that's hard for me because if Ja didn't miss as many games as he as he did, um, yeah, and that, it's that's like, what's that's, hard. It's like me. a frustrating thing as a fan, yeah. right? The fan in me wants to be like, oh, why are y'all resting him? Like, why are we taking so long to like do that? But then my brain that works analytically, I'm like, you know what? If this long term, what's better? right because even now it's like he's got knee soreness like there's no structural damage with his knee at all but they're like what's more important sitting him for a couple games and playing him through the end of the season when let's be honest do we need him to continue to win games right no so if we rest him the next two weeks and that helps to offload the soreness that he's got going on in that knee and then we go into the playoffs with a 100% healthy Jabra Morant but that impacts his let's say eligibility to be first team on NBA in his third year in like is that the trade-off that you take 
right? Like, Absolutely. is that worth you take it? That every time. And so, right. And so it's like, okay, he can get it next year. It's fine. What do or you think? Two years from now, or whatever. Peter, who would you give um, the first and second team to? I think first team is Booker and Steph. I think first team would be Steph and Ja if Ja hadn't missed 19 games already. Or like if Booker had also missed like 19, 20 games, like if the amount was similar, I could hear the jaw over Booker arguments. I'd probably I think Ja would have gotten it over Booker too. Even yeah. though I don't know if that's fair, but I think it's fair in that he had an, a, a first team season. So that's not what I mean. But it would be that like basically what we talked about, like people just find job more exciting and all that stuff. Which is which is fine. I'm okay. Right. I understand that. Like I don't I don't begrudge people for finding Ja a more exciting player to watch like when we were bad and i was praying for the second draft pick in the zion jaw lottery i was praying for that i was like if there's any way we can pair john morant and devin booker like we're back i don't know how this would work i don't care it'd be fantastic <laughs> i watched way more murray state basketball than the average person would right like i got espn plus back when it was new they carried all the murray state games i was watching murray state like twice a week but winter. are you over them not picking Luca? Are you over that? Oh, I'm I'm completely like weirdly enough, I'm completely fine with not drafting Luca because okay. I think like we're gonna need Aiton to play like DeAndre Aiton can if we want to win this championship, right? Luca is fantastic. Luca and Booker would have been great. Don't get me wrong, but like we would have still had major holes in our team and i think having this version of ayton and what he can be and like what he played up to the level he played up to in last season's playoffs mm -hmm. i don't think luca is giving us that sort of like winning boost if that makes sense like ayton was the one who did the job on Jokic in that series ayton was the reason we beat the clippers took Jokic completely out of it <laughs> like we would not have been in the like don't get me wrong Aiton gets on my nerves sometimes because some, sometimes he gets six shots some games some games he gets 20 but like if you shoot 63 percent from the field and can shoot from the mid-range and you have a nice soft touch in the lane you should be getting more than six shots but whatever like we need Aiton if we want to win this championship so like okay. i don't view luca as like a missed opportunity like, i'm over that i'm fine with it we found a solution we have Chris Paul and campaign as point guards. They do the job. Luca's great. Luca's fantastic. Luca's exciting, but I just don't feel like he's necessary to the team. But as for all NBA, I think John and Luca would be my second team. Um, it's unfortunate John's missing these games. I hope he's healthy and right for the playoffs because I'm not one of these people who legitimately believes the Grizzlies are better without their best player. That doesn't make any sense. No, they're not. No, it's you can not. show me the records. You can show me all that stuff. Like. I also don't think we are a better team without Chris Paul. I think we are a very good team without him. But like like I said, we're going to need – all of our teams are going to need all of our pieces if we want to get to where we want to be. Even if your team angle. can play without your best player and win games, that's, that's when it comes down to having like a superstar, right? Like they are the difference makers in the playoffs, yeah. right? And so that's like no matter how great the Grizzlies are, that's when you need Ja. It's go time. I mean, you need him regardless, but I'm saying that's when you right. need Ja. That's when you need Giannis. That's when you need like, you know, Stefan, Katie. Like that's when you need those guys, right? Teams can play well, especially if you have a good system, good coaching. They can play well and get by without their star, especially when they have continuity and they know each other. But like you need a star. And so people suggesting that they don't and like the Sun star is Booker. Like you, you need your stars. And so 
Um, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal when teams win without their, their best player, but you know, people will use that argument to however they want to fit their narrative. So, um, all right. So let's very quickly, very quickly, just touch on these games very quickly for the week. Cause the Warriors play both of your teams and the Grizzlies and Suns play each other. I don't think there's any standing yep. implications. I'm pretty, feel pretty confident. You guys are going to finish one and two, the Warriors. I think we'll hold on to three, but we have to try to eke out a few more wins. So I think most people are hoping that we win against the Wizards tonight because they just don't see us beating the Grizzlies um, without Steph or the Suns without Steph. But what do you what do you guys think about the Warriors coming to town without Steph? Like, how are you feeling about those games? Well, after watching us play the Bucks last night, I feel a little better, <laughs> um, honestly, because I, I mean, I, when we found out Jai was going to be out um, for more than just like a game or two, I was like, fantastic. We're already in this like death match of trying to figure out where we're going to finish at the end of the year. You know, are we going to be in two? Are we going to be three? Are we going to fall farther than that? And now Jaw's out like longer. Um, and so even like before the game last night, I was like, oh hell, we're about to go play the Bucks. Like we're gonna get our asses kicked, and this is not gonna be a fun Saturday for me. And then I was like, never mind. Apparently they decided to sleepwalk through through the game last night. So I don't know. I think every time I see them play, um without Jaw, but just seeing the guys like I feel like Taylor and the coaching staff have a very good system in place um and so seeing those guys still execute kind of flawlessly um and then also watching Ja interact with them like on the bench um I still feel pretty good about playing the Warriors on Monday much better than I did prior to last night they're probably gonna try to kill us inside with JJJ that would be my expectation but you know I hope so I'm I'm I need I need a good trip game it's been a minute since he's had since he's had one where it's been all about him so I would take that tomorrow we'll see again like I said I don't know who's going to be playing it'll definitely be a game for Jordan Poole to go off who's been on a tear for us so um I don't I just don't know if Clay or Otto are going to be playing that game you know he could split them I, if too. I'm if I had to guess though I, I would bet that they're going to sit Dylan so that's the only thing that worries me a little bit um oh. just because he Dylan mostly you know, they, if Steph is on the court. Like I, I want him like gone. He's a menace. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. And so well, I, I need him to be someone else's menace. Even if Steph isn't playing, I need him to be somebody else's menace, is what I'm saying. So if he's sitting, I get a little more worried. But I why do you think they're gonna guess I would are, are they sitting him on back to back? They just kind of have been oh, you guys are on a just resting him coming back from the ankle sprain. They're okay. you know, they're just usually working in some rest for him just recovery which I'm all for that again because we need him in the playoffs we're going to need Brooks to be able to go so So. I mean I think I think you guys are going to finish it too now if you do at least the way the standings are right now you'd play the Timberwolves um there's a chance it could be Denver if they drop or something crazy happens in the play-in possibly it's the Lakers which I think it's comical or, or the Pelicans. Are there any, any one of those teams that you least want to see as a first round matchup or do you not care about any of them? Any preference? 
I would prefer not to play Denver. Anybody else? I don't really care. Okay. Okay. All right, Peter. What do you what What are your thoughts on us coming to town? It, there really shouldn't be anyone resting because it won't be like a back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it it doesn't even matter anymore. It doesn't really have implications like we would have thought earlier in the season for like tiebreak or anything. So yeah. the Suns don't really need to like win this game. Are you guys going to take any rest before the season? I mean, like, what's what's going on? Um, See, like, that's the thing. Like, my mind is telling me Bridges is going to rest at some point because he's started and played every game and leads the NBA in minutes. And um, without Cam um, healthy, because Cam took, like, some weird thigh contusion in that game against the Knicks that Friday night game, like, three is weeks Cam ago. Is Cam still out? Yeah, he hasn't come back yet. So he's geared up to five on five starting yesterday. He's ruled out for today. We play the Sixers today. But um, yeah, so we don't play again, actually, until Wednesday. So I'm hoping we get Cam back, if not for Wednesday in uh, San Francisco, then maybe like Friday in Memphis. Is that I'm a Warriors we- home game? I didn't even realize that. It is. Yeah, because uh, you played us at Christmas home in November and we had the home game, game yeah. Christmas. Okay. Yeah, so um, I'm hoping to see Cam at some point this week. If it's um, a home game, we have a chance. You have a chance regardless. Like we, if we're it's on a home game, game, we have a chance. Our role guys are, play good at home. We're on an eight-game win streak. Every time we get to like this number, we have like some sort of inexplicably bad first <laughs> half. I'm hoping it doesn't happen today because I just don't want to lose to the Sixers because James Harden is supremely annoying to me. But um, <laughs> no, like yeah, so it's kind of tough. Like so, Javale's sick is they ruled him out with like a non-COVID illness. I'm guessing DA is going to be rested. But like as far as resting for the playoffs, we only have three games this week. We play Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm guessing we're going to see a bunch of rest the following week. Okay. Because uh, the Grizzlies beat us on what was basically a buzzer beater last time we played them. And you guys beat us on Christmas. And every time teams beat us, the next game, our players seem to take it like a bit more personal. And yeah. a bit more like serious. So That's the one think... thing that gives me a little like we we have beaten y'all already down some guys. Steph played, but mm-hmm. we were down a lot of people. So, hmm. oh yeah. So I think we'll see it mostly as full tilt as we can be this week. I would like to see Cam come back, uh, but um, no, I think we should be fine. I'll say we split both of those games. We'll lose. So we were on a, like a seven game road winning streak. We're going to lose a road game eventually. We've been down too many times, double digits in the third quarter and coming back and winning. Like, eventually we're going to get caught. So, like, it's fine. Whichever one we win, whichever one we don't win, like, it doesn't make too much of a difference to me at this point. But um, Y'all can yeah. do me a favor and win on Wednesday so that I can, uh, <laughs> I can enjoy my Friday evening. That'd be great. My prediction is that we're going to beat the Suns. I have no basis for that, but I'm just saying that because I almost lost to the magic. It happens. Like it's basketball. Anything could happen. Uh, We lost to Houston. I was like, what, what does that lost to the magic? I mean, only because it's a home game and we have, we're really good at home. Um, but again, like if I'm just using like the normal objective factors, like it's obviously the Suns would still be favored, but um, if there's a chance, I give it to them there. Um, with the Grizzlies, because you guys are the second night of a back-to-back, I could easily see them just being like, we're resting mad players for a lot of reasons, because aside from just that it's a back-to-back, the Grizzlies haven't seen us 
at all this season fully healthy. It was like Clay wasn't there and then Dre wasn't there. So this team doesn't really have as that much experience playing against the Warriors with Clay, Steph, and Dre on the court. Our most lethal lineup has been our three guard lineup, which we didn't put out when we played you guys last time. So it would almost just at this point be like a, a matchup thing, like trying not to like reveal too much before the postseason. Cause it's one thing to know, like, yeah, Clay's back, but to actually be on the court playing it and accounting for it. Cause I didn't even realize I'm like, oh wow, Ja until that last game, he never actually even played against Clay. Like that's how long he's yep. been out. So having yep. to scheme for like Steph play and Dre on the court, it's one thing to know and have watched it and put tape together and then to like be on the court and have to guard it and play it. So for those reasons too, and that's how the Warriors are. It's it's the reason why we don't run a lot of pick and roll during the season. Like I could just see them also resting because they don't they don't want to give like Memphis any, you know, because there's a very strong chance we see you guys in the second round, the way things are shaking yeah. out. So so I don't I really don't know what to expect from that game but I'm gonna go ahead and say that the Grizzlies would probably win it but you know who knows last week I said yeah. we win in Orlando and lose to the Heat <laughs> and we and, and and that Atlanta was also the game that we could take and we lost to Atlanta lost to Orlando but won the Heat so you know <laughs> it's crazy yeah all right, guys. Well, this has been lovely. Really. I really enjoy talking to both of you. I expect the Warriors to see both of your teams in the postseason if things go the way that I want it. But um, it could also be that like it's not us and it's the Grizzlies who 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 see the Suns or I don't know. I don't see a chance of the Suns not making it to the Western Conference Finals. I'll say that. So just based on like their path. So um, what do you think is the ceiling for this team, though, Stacey? I am curious for the Grizzlies. For this season, I mean, I think that they can make it to the Western Conference Finals, which is the farthest that the franchise has gone. You know, we, we made it there. Um, you, you don't think they could beat the Suns? I would need to know what if job healthy before I could say whether or not I think we'd have a chance to beat the Suns. I think if Jaws healthy, 100% healthy, then possibly. But Who's the best player if that's a series, in that series? Is it Jaw or is it Booker? See, that's fascinating to me because, like, <laughs> there's a case for both of them. Yeah. If Jaws fully healthy, I would say probably him, just in terms of, like, the ability to, like, control a game. Okay. Right? Because, like, I tend to, when you're talking like similar talent levels, I tend to take more like explosive athletes, people who can play like both above and below the rim. Mm -hmm. And also just like with the perimeter defenders, the Grizzlies could put on a booker to try and like somewhat neutral. I think it would just be harder to like kind of put John in a cage than it would to be putting Booker yeah, in a cage in a series like assuming that. Assuming Dylan Brooks is available, I, I know that that's who they would yes have on book to try to slow him down for sure that's who he would be guarding every time are they gonna throw any double teams at him he doesn't like double teams he gets really upset about them <laughs> the thing is the and thing i'm not is, just basing that on what he said which was crazy but like no he, no no it's true he like, visibly is, does not like them he's he's a lot he's gotten a lot better dealing with double teams this season than compared to like last season even the beginning of the season like people would just throw random doubles he would just turn the ball over or just throw dumb it's like Devin Booker, everybody knows how much you hate double teams. You're going to get doubled for the rest of your career periodically. Like, 
Just right. he's gotten he's gotten a lot better in terms of decision making. If I were the Grizzlies, I wouldn't run doubles. Like you have Dylan Brooks there, just like try and go with that. But I mean, hey, if you want to, by all means, go ahead. Well, what I was gonna say is, I'm not that Dylan gets to make the decision, but Dylan doesn't like for them to need to see a need. He feels like he can double somebody that he's got. Yeah, he's like I have like Dre. Dre's like to, I don't, don't need, need to help. send a double. Yeah, I don't need help. I, I love Dylan Brooks. I actually love him. I watched him play at Oregon. <laughs> if he they, was on they, my team, I would love him. He's not. They, I, yeah, he's, it. he's the guy that when he's on your team, you like him. If you were yes. playing against him, you'd be like, I can't stand I that like, guy. I don't know if you guys remember, guy. but um, he was at Oregon, played the Lonzo Ball UCLA team. Mm-hmm. I was in Pauley Pavilion when he dunked on TJ Leaf. That was the most silent I've ever heard people in my life. <laughs> I, just, I was like, oh my God. It was that. Oh, it was. I was like, you know what? That guy, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be a good NBA player. Brothers, like, how do you know? I'm like, I just, I just have a feeling. So it's good. To, it's good to see Dylan Brooks carve out a career for himself yeah. and like making the best. Yeah. Well, well I'm he, looking forward. That, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stacey. No, go ahead. I'm like that. The swag that he has, like he literally, I feel like he he set that. Like, cause he he was here a little bit before Ja and Jaron, and so he kind of helped transition the team out of like that grit and grind era into kind of how they are now. But I'm with y'all. I love him because he's on my team. I would hate him, hate him if we played against him. It's how people feel about Dre, although a lot of Warriors fans are not fond of Dre right now, but that's a discussion for another day. Um, So (laughs) Western Conference, the the Western Conference playoffs are going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. I kind of always laugh at this idea when people like the East is a gauntlet and they're so much better than the West. I'm like, and yet the teams with the top three records are still in the West, but okay. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the playoffs. It's going to be really good. Thank you both for being guests on my show, Stacey and Peter. Absolutely. You're tremendous. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I, this is such a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed yourself as well. Um, give them both a follow guys. As you can see, they have like really great basketball knowledge. Um, so you'll enjoy it. And I also don't forget, I mean, if you're listening, you probably should be already following on that, but if you haven't yet left me a review, please feel free to do that. Give me a rating five stars only. If not, just give me your <laughs> feedback. Um, I'm available on YouTube, um, Spotify, Apple, basically anywhere where you can stream, um, podcast. Until next time, guys, take care.